And tonight is the, the last of the series of Warship. Now we've been looking at the, the idea of what Warship is. Hi, Barb. So um, we'll re recap. So Warship is, I guess, going, in, going to war in worship. And so last week we looked at a, a battle that came across Israel's path. In fact, it came into Israel's territory or towards Israel's territory. Um, and Jehoshaphat was the king and, you know, he, he came to God and he fasted and prayed. Remember that story? And um, he said, we don't know what to do. We don't have the power. We don't have a plan, but we look to you. And then all of a sudden, when everyone was surrendered and all their hearts were surrendered to God for help desperately, the Holy Spirit then was able to come down and speak through a, through a person on that day and, and share God's plan of how to face this army that was coming their way. And I, I think it's really beautiful. It's a good picture. I use the word beautiful too much. It's a good picture of how God actually reveals a plan for you and I when we surrender to him. When we really do surrender and listen to what the Holy Spirit or his word might be saying to us, he's able to actually give us the plan or at least prepare our hearts for what's coming next. And so um, tonight we're going to be looking at um, not, not a battle. We're not going to look at a battle, so to speak. We're going to actually look at what, um, what happens or what, sorry, we're going to look at what we can do or, or technically who we are as Christians, when it comes to facing the struggles in life that come our way. Battles are real, all right? Now, especially for the Christian. So I think I mentioned it before. Um, people that I've baptized or been to their baptism, not long after, the devil, the devil does not like people saying yes to Jesus, right? So he will, he will try to ruin their lives, all right? So watch out, be careful, pray, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, don't, don't be discouraged. Surround yourself with believers, Pray, praise him, read the Bible, connect in church and stay connected to Jesus. That's the most important thing. But the devil is real and he wants to bring us down. But battles come in different ways, don't they? Battles could be a doctor's report. Battles could be a relationship issue. You know, a difficulty in a relationship that, you know, you, you, you didn't want it to happen, but it just happened, you know. And so all of a sudden you're in the mix and you're, you're fighting against this or you're standing up against this situation that seems to be pulling you down or destroying people in your life that you love. You know, it might be a battle that comes your way might be temptation. I mean, for every Christian, believe it. It's, it's a real thing to be tempted. It's what we do with that temptation is the trick. It could be sin. You know, there could be sin in your life or people might be listening to this message online and there might be sin in your life, you know, and you're battling to overcome it. And th these are some really great tools that Paul gives to the church to help them to overcome battles, to overcome the battle, basically, in life. And so we're going to have a look at these in a little bit of detail. Uh, so have you got, you got Ephesians chapter 10? No, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. There is no chapter 10 in Ephesians. If you've got a chapter 10 in your Ephesians, you're reading the wrong Bible. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Um, so the battle's real, right? The battle is real. This is the first, the first strategy that Paul gives the, early ch the church in, in uh, Ephesus. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
or I like how the, NIV, the, the New Living Translation puts it. Finally, a, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's the same. <laughs> be strong in the Lord. Now, it's really, really important for Christians to be strong. You know, I think it's good to be a strong person. Um, but this is, um, when, it, when it comes to Christians, Christianity strong, strength is different to world strength. See, here Paul says, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord. You know, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's how God overcame for one particular fellow. And even in Ephesians, while we're in this book, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, we can actually read, it says here, Now to him, talking about Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It's, it's his power at work within us. It's not our power. The moment that you, you and I go into a fight or a battle or a situation of temptation or a, or a struggle in a, in a relationship, whatever it is, the moment we go in in our own strength, that's the, the first failure right there. We must turn to God for strength. And how do we do that? Well, Jesus gave the disciples a bit of a clue when he talked about how he is the vine and they are the branches. He's the vine, they are the branches. He's the one with the power and they're the ones who connect. They abide in him. We abide in Jesus. We connect with Jesus. He said, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected to stay connected with me. And because um, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Staying connected to Jesus, we're actually able to go through anything. We're actually able to be in any situation and be connected to Jesus. And get out the other side. For example, here's just one example. This letter in Ephesians, if you've got a Bible, just flick over the page to the first, the first verse in the whole letter. Um, in chapter 1, it says, um, Paul, he's introducing himself, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus. The faithful in Christ Jesus. So you can, do, you can be in two places at once. You can be in Ephesus and in Christ Jesus. Because there were people, no doubt, in Ephesus when he was writing this that weren't in Christ Jesus. They weren't connected to Jesus. They weren't giving their life to Jesus. They weren't trying to connect relationally to God. They couldn't care less about God, but they were in Ephesus. Now, you can be in two places at once. You can be in a situation where it's impossible and in Christ and still find a way out. You can be in some kind of relationship difficulty and in Christ and still find a way out. You can be in a battle of some description and in Christ and still find a way out. But the moment that we think we can do it ourselves in our own strength and in our own power and say, you know what, Jesus, I'll get you when I need you, then that's where we face a real problem. And we actually can't get through those battles that come our way. In fact, they make it worse. We make it worse. In Jesus, in the vine, connected, staying connected. Uh, what's that scripture? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4. Uh, four. I can do all things 
through Christ who gives me strength. You know, the problem arises when I think I am strong in myself. When I think I am strong. But it says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. We need to come to an awareness of our own weakness and trust in God's strength. So I think that's really important that Paul starts off with this, with this battle strategy by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. If we don't get that right, the rest of this doesn't make, a sen make, make sense at all. Um, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10, Paul writes these words. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. We, we have to come to that point where we go, I'm actually weak in this. Like, like Jehoshaphat last week, I don't, have a, I don't have power in this. I don't have a plan, but you do, God. That's when God's able to step in. Amen? So in his mighty power, right? Next. Be strong. Oh, no. What do we do? What do we do? We do this. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is something we have to do. Paul's writing to this church and say, he's saying, put on the full armor of God. I want to make this statement right out, right out in the outset. Um, this title for my sermon, which is going to, going to war in worship, I want to change that. This is the title for the sermon. It's not my armor. Last week, it's not my battle. This week, it's not my armor. So the moment somebody up in a pulpit tells you to put on your armor, have you put on your armor today? Have you put on your armor? You, you tell them it's not my armor. You're a wrong preacher. Because you read your Bibles, everyone, right? What does it say? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We must put on his full armor. We have to put it on. We have to apply it to our lives. <laughs> well, let's have a look at what the armor is. Skip over to verse 14. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So it's truth, right? With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All right, so what's the armor? It's the belt of truth. All right, it's truth. It's righteousness. What else is it? Yeah, it's gospel of peace. Peace, right? The shield of faith. Yep. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. Yeah, the breastplate of righteousness. We, we did that one, I think. So it's truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and, and the word. That's the armor. Now, I've heard people preach, and now you might feel free to walk out if you don't think I'm right. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm right. 
I've heard people preach that you've got to, you've got to put on your armor. So you've got to put on truth. So you've got to find books about truth. You've got to get, get as much truth as you possibly can. When you face in a battle, get as much truth as you possibly can and go for it. You know, you, when, when you're facing a battle, you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? So the breast, breastplate, it covers the body, right? And they, they focus on what, what it is and where it is on the body. We're getting it all wrong. It's, it's, actually, it's actually the, the truth that's the focus of what Paul's writing here. It's the righteousness that's the focus of what Paul's writing here. It's the salvation, you know, and, it, and it's not your armor. It's not my armor. It's not my job to make my armor any better because it's not my armor. It's his armor. David, here's an illustration. David, you know David, King David, back in the day, he was a shepherd. And he, he took food to his brothers once. They were in a battle. And they were in a battle against the Philistines. And so he took sandwiches, cheese sandwiches, I think, or pizza or Krispy Kremes, or I'm not sure, something Jewish back then that was yummy. He took the food to them, right, in the, in, in the midst of this battle. And as he was taking the food, he, he delivered it to them. He, he saw this giant of a man cursing God and cursing all the other Israelites. And David thought to himself, that's not right. And so he, he inquired of Saul, King Saul. He said, that, can't, that guy can't do that. Send someone to fight him. And cut a long story short, Saul says, okay, you go fight him. Here, here's my armor. So Saul, King Saul, you know, six, seven foot, whatever he was, big fella, gives David his armor to wear in the battle. And David's like, I can't wear your armor. It doesn't fit me. And so David, what, how does he fight this, this um, Philistine? He fights him with faith in God and in who God says he is, with truth. And God steps in and does an amazing thing. David ends up cutting this giant's head off and becoming the king eventually. But sometimes we kind of go, the armor is something that we have to put on. It does say that. It says put on the full armor of God. But it's God's armor. It's not mine. It's his. So let's have a look at it. What, what's, instead of looking at this passage and thinking what your armor should look like, let's have a look at what God's armor looks like. What do you reckon? All right, so what's the first thing? Truth. God's truth. Why do you think truth would be an armor. Why do you think God's truth would be armor against the devil and his schemes? Because the devil's strategy is to make you and I disbelieve God. God whenever God speaks, it's truth, right? So let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Let's go further than David, back to Adam and Eve, all right? Eve's in the garden and uh, there's the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And, uh, and, and, this, and Satan comes to visit Eve and he says, did God really say you shouldn't eat from that? You won't die. God knows you'll live. So he was lying and he was questioning, helping, helping Eve to question whether God really said something. Whether the words that came out of God's mouth were actually truth. And he will twist it. Here's another example. I've used it before. 
Jesus' baptism. So like in Matthew 4, you'll see Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven says what? This is my son whom I love, right? This is my son, right? Next moment, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness and the devil himself tempts Jesus after 40 days, tempts him. And the first one is this. If you are the son of God, turn these, lo turn these stones into loaves of bread. Now we think, sometimes we, I, I used to think that the, that the trick the devil was trying to do there was because Jesus was hungry and make him eat something. But the devil was using this strategy of attacking the truth of God's word using Jesus's hunger pains to attack the truth of God's word. What was the last thing that the Father God said to Jesus before he's led into the desert? You are my son. And the devil comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to... In other words, really? You think you are? Prove it. The devil will try and twist God's word. He will try and twist it. Did God really say... Are you really God's child? You know, if you were doing that sort of thing, you know, at church, would, uh, would people like that? Are you really a Christian? <laughs> Do you think God really is your father? I mean, yeah, if you think those sorts of things, if you read that sort of stuff, if you watch that sort of thing on TV or, or on YouTube or whatever it is, do you think a child of God would do that? You know, you come in with a question of truth. He'll try and, he'll try and attack the truth of God's word. The next thing he tries to attack is righteousness. <laughs> he tries to get us to believe that righteousness with God is something that we can do. We can be right with God. You know, if we get, you know, like the devil will sometimes even come and trick us into thinking that the things that we do that are good and religious help us to be more right with God. Now, I know we were celebrating Carol's baptism yesterday. It was fantastic. But there's some, there's some people out there that think that getting baptized gets you closer to God. As if like it was some kind of thing that you could do to win righteousness with God. And the devil knows that. And he will try and get people to do, 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 do. When all along, Jesus Christ has already done on the cross enough for us to be made right with God. I've got a couple of scriptures here. If you want to turn with me to, um, oh, actually, I'll just go to one. Philippians 3, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, because we're in Ephesians, it's just the next book over. Philippians 3, and I'll go from uh, verse 1, I guess. Um, this is talking about the righteousness, okay? So the righteousness, this is an armor of God. Uh, truth is the armor of God. Righteousness is also part of the armor of God. So Philippians, Paul's writing this letter to a church in Philippi, and he says to them, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is So he's talking about people that would be circumcised in order to be right with God, in order to be holy with God and, and clean with God doing something in order to win God's favor, right? And so he says about them, he says, uh, for verse 3, 4, it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God. In other words, God's done an inside cleansing of our, of our 
of us through his spirit. We who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. And he goes on. Paul says, okay, if you guys want a, a righteousness in your own strength, here it is. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, he's a Pharisee. As for zeal, he persecuted Christians in the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless, right? But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. That's a swear word in Greek, by the way, rubbish. I consider them rubbish. All those works, all those righteous things that he could do, he considers them rubbish that he may gain Christ and be found in him. Get this, not having a righteousness of my own, says Paul, that comes from the law, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You see, whose armor is Paul telling the Ephesians to put on? God's. Put on God's truth. Put on God's righteousness. Right. Next thing is peace. Devil will long long to get Christians to be not at peace, <laughs> to be worried, to be anxious, to be discouraged even, and to feel like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. I'm never going to make it. Look at me. Uh, whatever the opposite of peace is, that's what the devil loves to see in Christian believers. But the peace that we have comes from the gospel, the good news. The good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and made a way for us to be right with God and live with him for eternity and have an abundant life here and now with meaning and purpose, with the help of his Holy Spirit. It doesn't get better than that. That's peace, right? You can be, you can be in a struggle and have his peace that passes all understanding. But the devil wants you to think that you can get peace in other ways. The devil thinks you, whenever struggle comes your way, let's, let's, pick, um, let's pick a married couple, for example, okay? It's really tough. Marriage is tough. I mean, not my marriage. My marriage is great. No, it's hard. It's, it's, it's work. It's work. There's hard ways. Two people, two different people. And, and the devil would love to divide and tear that apart. And he has done. And God's a redeemer, right? And he can redeem things. He can redeem people even as they've separated. But what the devil would want to do is get those two people that have separated or divorced or whatever to hate each other for the rest of their lives or to, or to totally ignore them for the rest of their lives. And that, that's how we get peace. See, the devil says you get peace by war. If this, this is nations against nation, right? If, if this nation upsets this nation, if they just kill them, then, you know, the problem's gone, right? Wrong. There's no peace. But the devil will trick people into thinking that if you just run away from the situation or if you just change churches or if you just change relationships, if you just move on and walk away and ignore it, the problem's going to go away. Peace only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where peace comes from. It's God's armor, not your armor. God's peace. 
the next thing is this, faith. Take up the shield of faith. I've got to pick it up. You've got to pick it up. Faith. I can't pick up your faith. You can't pick up my faith. But see, this isn't your faith or my faith. Whose faith is it? Am I messing with any Christian's theology tonight? See, this is the armor of who? It's the armor of God. So this is God's truth, right? This is God's righteousness. This is God's peace. This is God's good news. This is God's faith. This is God's faith. I mean, whose sword is the word of God? Who's, who belongs to that? Not me. It's the sword of the spirit. Who is God? This is all God's things. So what does it mean to have, to put, what does it mean to take up the shield of faith? To extinguish the flaming arrows of the devil. Well, let's skip back, can we? I'm just going to press a pause button. We're not going to wait till next week. We're going to do it tonight. But I want to go back a few verses and look at verse 12 and 13. You see, our battle, it says, our struggle, our wrestle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have a battle. It's not my, it's not my battle. It's not your battle, but we are in a battle. And it's a battle against things you can't see. It's not against the people, you know. And the devil will want you to think that it is the people. He'll want you to think, oh, that person, they, they're, they're the one that's the issue. Well, no, there's actually a system behind that person or under that person or in that person. They might have allowed it to happen. They might have surrendered to that way of thinking that's not Christ-like. But it's enabling that person to function that way or that nation to function that way or whatever. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. You can tell who the Christians are, says Jesus, by their love. The world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's, that's God's love. That's a love that says, you know what, you put me up on a cross, I'm still going to forgive your sins. That's, that's love. This is how we fight battles. We actually don't fight. <laughs> we, we, um, well, I'll find, we'll, I'll find out, we'll find out what we do. We actually don't fight at all. But there is a battle and it's going on and it's against things you can't see. Spiritual powers you can't see. One of the, the devil's, I think the devil's best trick, the, be, the devil's best strategy is to get you and I and Christians everywhere to believe that he doesn't exist. That he's actually not a real person. I've actually met people that go to church and they don't believe in the devil. I'm not sure what Jesus cast out of people when he walked around this earth. I'm not sure. I'm not, maybe Jesus got it wrong. Maybe he was just casting out something that wasn't there. Ah, Jesus cast out demons from people. Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. Those spiritual forces at work that we can't see are very real. Some countries actually get to experience them a little bit more than other countries. In Australia, we don't see it so much. In other countries, we do. There's this, des there's this spiritual battle going on. And Satan loves to tear people down and bring division and bring destruction and still steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So the battle is real, right? But we just can't see it. Not the, not the forces at work anyway. So this, this week or this next battle that you face and it's, you think it's a person that's made out of flesh and blood like you, it's not them. The battle's not against them. There's something going on behind the scenes. All right? 
This is how we, this is how we battle. Ready? Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, right? Ready. Got your full armor on. Yes. <clears throat> ready to go. So that when the day of evil comes, yes, the day of evil's coming. I'm ready. Ready. You may be able to stand your ground. Absolutely. And after you have done everything to stand. Hang on. Where's the fighting? When do I fight? There's a lot of standing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm reading this right. Let me read it again. Uh, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. I haven't done anything. I've just been standing. That's the point. Standing. Standing. Standing in Christ. Standing in your relationship with God. Abiding to Jesus. You see, a lot of Christians think that we're fighting a battle to get a victory. Like, I've seen it. I've seen it. Even in Wesleyan circles, sometimes when we pray, we're, we're, we're sort of, I don't know, I, I love it. I think it's good that we should be praying against the spiritual forces of, of evil, right? Of wickedness and, and Satan and his, his tactics, all right? Because people are involved and people need to know God and people need to know Jesus. But... Um, We get a little bit too, like there's a, <laughs> like we need to go into fight, like we need to go into sort of yell mode, as if God's going to hear it more, or the, or, or the angels, or the demons are going to hear it more, or whatever. And, and I'm not sure where it's come from, because all I see here is um, somebody in the armor of God standing their ground, and then standing and then the next verse, in verse 14, it says, Stand firm then with the armor of God on. We just have to take our stand in Christ. We have to take that authority in Christ and the power that he's given us through his Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. But, but the battle is real. Putting on God's armor. So what have we got on so far? Truth, righteousness, peace that comes through the gospel, faith. That's right. We had faith, didn't we? We took up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Faith in what? Faith in who? Faith, well, actually, faith in what? Faith in Christ's faithfulness. Faith in the fact that Christ became a human being like you and I, faced, faced the devil head on, took upon his shoulders the universe's sin, died with it, rose again from the grave victoriously and ascended up to heaven because he was faithful all the way through the mission. You see, you and I, we, we don't have that strength. We don't dare face the devil in, the, in temptation. We would, we would buckle under the pressure. With your own armor, that's, yeah... We'd like to think we could, but we can't. We must use God's armor. We must do it God's way. Really, basically, the armor of God is a person, and it's Jesus. We put on Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul's saying, really, is put on, put on Jesus because Jesus himself has accomplished everything. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came totally right, totally righteous. Never did anything wrong, never said anything wrong, never thought anything wrong. He was absolutely pure. 
Jesus came and he proclaimed peace. He brought peace. In fact, he laid his body down so that people could find peace with God. The angels at his birth said, glory to God in the heavens and peace toward people on earth. He brought peace. His faithfulness throughout God's, his faithfulness to God's call on his life all the way through, all the way through without turning, all the way through. That's what we take up. We take up that shield and the devil can throw all he wants to at us and we just go, Jesus, <laughs> just hold him up. Just say, Jesus, Jesus has come. He's accomplished everything. We're not fighting for a victory. We're actually fighting from a victory that Jesus has already won for us. And so we take up the shield of faithfulness, the shield of faith that Jesus has accomplished um, salvation for us. In fact, here we put on this helmet of salvation. Salvation is by God's terms. Satan will always try and battle at your mind. He's battling for your mind and God battles for your heart because he knows your heart is the seat of where he can come and, and, and reside so that you can live forever. And Satan will always attack the mind and the thinking and the reasoning. And uh, what's the last one we've got to do? Once we've got our helmet on, we've got to take up the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. The Word of God. So this is the Word. Of, this is the Word of God, isn't it? The Bible. In fact, it is. It is. This is entirely the Word of God. He's revealed Himself in Scripture, right? But I want to tell you tonight, that's not the word used here in in Ephesians chapter six and verse seventeen. It's not written word. It's spoken word. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. God has breathed out his, his word. In other words, he's breathed out his word. Wow. I love reading my Bible and I read, when I, when I want to listen to the Lord or hear from him, I just read. I just open up the Psalms, open up a story, open up Samuel. I've been reading through Leviticus. It's amazing because the more you read, you just keep reading until God speaks to you, until something is highlighted from the scriptures. You go, oh, okay, thank you, Lord. What are you trying to teach me there? You know, and he's able to actually speak to you. It's not just text on a page. It's not just words on a page. It's actually his breathed out word through his Holy Spirit in your heart. That's what it's talking about. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We've got to take the promises of God and hold them up against the devil's strategy, against the devil's tactics. Exactly what Jesus did in the wilderness. He took the very words of God in the scriptures that had made an impact in his own life. and He'd remembered and memorized them. So he was ready to face the devil in the wilderness with the word of God. But it's the word of God. It's not the word of Ian. It's not the word of Festus. It's not the word of Sonia. It's the word of God. And if the word of God is contrary to what you and I think is the right thing to do, then we need to change. We must take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's how we overcome the devil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but it's against evil. Our battle is against evil. I want to finish with this scripture, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All right? I just want to remind you that, you know, this week you might go through things or even someone might be going through a struggle right now, a wrestle where it's like you, you think you're being, maybe being attacked by the devil. Maybe there's, maybe there's some kind of, it's hard, you know, and, and, and he will try and get you to, the devil will try and trick you and trying to get you to doubt God's word, 
try to get you to doubt your faith, your salvation, trying to get you to doubt who you are in Christ, right? And, and also he'll try and ruin other people's lives around you. But we've got to remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against evil. All right. So in uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, you're probably already there before me, and verse 3, Paul writes to the church, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are what hold that they are what hold people spiritually from God. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. People need to know God. And the devil doesn't want people to know God. So he's got a strategy of setting things up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take it captive. We say, no, no, that's not true. Jesus, you deal with that thought. You deal with that temptation. You deal with that issue. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. The way we worship, uh, sorry, the way we, we battle is worship. But put on, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Ask him for his armor next time you're facing a struggle. Ask him, what's the truth in this? Ask him to have his way. And the next time the devil tries to attack you in terms of your righteousness or peace or whatever it is, come at him and say, no, this is, this is what God says about me. This is where my peace is. This is where my righteousness is. This is where my faith is. This is where my hope is. It's in Christ and it's in, it's in Christ alone. So let's, let's pray. Um, but before we pray, whose armor is it? Yeah, it's not my armor. Father, we just thank you so much that we have to stand. You just called us to stand. <laughs> Sometimes, Lord, it's hard because we just want to fight. We just want to do. We just want to plan. We just want to do something. But Lord, we just thank you so much that you are mighty. You are strong and mighty. You have great power. And we stand in your mighty strength. We are strong in you. In our weakness, we are strong because we are in you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us all just to stand and watch you bring the victory. Watch you bring the relationships into restoration. Watch you bring the addictions into healing. Watch you bring the, the broken bones and the injuries into healing. Watch you stand in, uh, step in and battle for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you already have. You've overcome the world. You've already accomplished such an amazing victory on the cross for us. And so, Lord, thank you that we can actually fight from that. We can actually worship from that victory that you've already done for us. We don't have to fight for a victory. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, you help each one of us to know that you are with us, Lord, and that you fight our battles for us. And we trust you, Lord, and we just stand. We just take that stand. Maybe, maybe as a declaration, let's stand where we are right now as a, as a faith action of standing in our relationship with Christ the next time we face a, a struggle. So how about we stand right where we are? If you want to, as a faith action, as, a, as an actual acting out of what you believe, that we're standing, Lord, tonight we stand in you.
And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the victor. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who is the truth. You're the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who is righteous. You alone are righteous. We stand in your righteousness tonight. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who brings peace through the good news, salvation for the sinner by grace and through faith. Thank you, Jesus. We stand in your good news and in your peace. We stand in your salvation. We stand, Lord, in your faithfulness in accomplishing our salvation for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for your word. And we stand on your word, your spoken word. All that you have said, Lord, is true. And we stand on your word. And we face up against the, the authorities and powers that we cannot see in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we can be in Pakenham and in Christ. Thank you that we can be in struggles and in Christ. And so, Lord, we stand in you tonight. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray, afresh tonight, Lord Jesus, and help us to live for you and honour you, to love others and to love you with all we got. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.